Thrive Leadership Podcast in three, two, cue music. This is the Thrive Leadership Leadership Podcast. Podcast. It's a place to connect you to nationally acclaimed leaders, their insights, and ideas on how to help you thrive in every area of your life. life. On today's episode, YouTube and online media specialist, Sean Cannell. As church leaders, we really need to wake up to the potential that we have to reach people in creative ways, and YouTube, I think, is an important place to be paying attention to. Now your hosts, Brad Lominick. And CJ Alvarado. Welcome, Sean. It's good to have you, man. Super pumped to be on the podcast uh, and be hanging out with you guys. So here, I want to paint the picture for all people listening to this. You got your Think shirt or jacket mm-hmm. on. Uh, do you have a Think shirt on as well underneath? I don't, just a plain shirt. But you're wearing the brand well. You've got a really cool Think black jacket. Uh, Think Media is your is your brand. That's your organization. And I just met you for the first time this morning. First, l- let me give you the chance to set up who you are. Because mm-hmm. that's the best way always to describe someone fresh to the podcast is for them to tell a little bit about their story. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, for me, I actually uh, got into online video in 2003. Not online, because that wasn't really happening yet. But I got into video at in the local church. And my youth pastor, Jeff Morris, handed me a camera and some video editing software and say, said, uh, hey, make some videos. And I like to tell people this, your first videos are your worst videos always. Hmm. And I don't want anybody to see those original videos. Are those out videos. there somewhere? We can <laughs> yeah. uh, They were on burnt to DVDs at that time, because <laughs> that was actually two years before YouTube even started, right? But I started making weekly video announcements, and then eventually the senior pastor was like, hey, do these on Sundays as well. So then I was doing them for youth group and Sundays. I was putting out 104 videos a year before YouTube even started as a volunteer. Wow. But I love that season because just like anything, right, you kind of learn by doing, right? And so fast forward, I started a business in 2009 called Clear Vision Media. A couple other projects along the way. I've been a marketing director um, at a church in Las Vegas. Um, I've been a campus pastor of multi-site, and eventually I really got clarity that I love this um, online video, social media, kind of online marketing space. And my passion now is to help people build their influence with online video. And we're doing that full time through content and courses, education, coaching, things like that. And people can find out more about what you're doing. What's the website? Yeah, seancannell.com is my name. But if you just type in Think Media on YouTube, that'd be the tip of the iceberg. And then you could just uh, take it away from there. And YouTube really is your that would be your stomping ground. Absolutely. I, I forgot to mention a few years ago, I wrote a book called YouTube for Churches and uh, also at youtubeforchurches.com put out a, a video series kind of educating churches about YouTube. And because I, of my business that I started back in 2009, I started to work with some YouTubers. And one of the things that opened my uh, kind of mind to the possibility for what could happen for churches and kingdom was the fact that take a mega church that has, you know, maybe impacts 35,000 people people on a weekend or something like that. And I thought the pastor gets a chance to maybe talk to them for 45 to uh, minutes to an hour, but the rest of the week they're, you know, going about their day-to-day life and things like that. And when I started to work with some YouTubers, I started to see people who were doing like daily vlogs and even friends of mine would vlog daily and they started to grow their audiences and they were getting a hundred thousand views a video or 250,000 views a video. But then what I started to realize was this is kind of like discipleship. You know, Jesus said, like, follow me, follow the way I live, follow how I'm living my life. And I was like, man, these vloggers are 
kind of discipling people. Like they're showing them how to live, how to raise their kids, what's happening in their marriage. And every day of the week, these huge audiences. And I was like, man, this is such a massive platform. And as church leaders, we really need to wake up to the potential that we have to reach people and impact people in creative ways. And YouTube, I think, is an important place to be paying attention to. So would you recommend for every, and I know that every is a big word, every church have some some sense or some form of content that's online, that's video, that's directed at that Monday through Saturday experience? I, I totally would. A um, good friend of mine, Brady Shearer, has this uh, movement kind of thing called the, uh, the 167. And it's about the 167 other hours out of the week of 168 hours a week. And I think that is totally true. But, you know, every church is at different places with different resources. Even if it's just putting your message up on YouTube, even if it's putting up, you know, maybe a weekly Bible study or some of the other content, I actually think it's irresponsible not to be using YouTube. And years ago, there was this kind of debate between Vimeo or YouTube or other platforms for churches hosting their content. And I just thought, well, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? What platform would he use? And while I can't say for sure, obviously it's only speculative, he's about people and he's where people are. And YouTube is by far the mm -hmm. dominant platform. Of course, the objection is, well, there's other sketchy content on there and there's mm -hmm. other things on there, but we all know the scripture. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. And if that's where the people are, I think we need a presence there. It's where you can get discovered. It's where you can impact people. So at some level, churches absolutely should be doing something. And as churches maybe have more resources or creative people that want to really, I like to call them YouTube missionaries, somebody that really wants to maybe be creative and, and treat YouTube as a mission field, then they could also potentially expand into more creative ways outside of just a Sunday sermon using YouTube to impact people. If we're talking to, you know, folks who are pastors, executive pastors that go, we obviously see the opportunity. There's massive amounts of people on these platforms. Aside from sermons, if they're just having a hard time wrapping their head around like, what would we do? In terms of content, what, what do you tell them? I think that um, one of the best ways to kind of create a bridge between spiritual conversations is also uh, with practical conversations. And YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world, second to Google. So people that are looking for questions about marriage, questions about finances, questions about leadership, they're going to YouTube um, to find video content on that. And we know that the Bible talks all about all of those things and many more. And I think that there can be a lot of bridge content that can meet people um, like that. I also think about uh, a friend of mine, Justin Coe. He runs a channel called That Christian Vlogger. And he's doing similar things, whether it's dating, relationships, different things. And he's, he's covering topics that are very searched. And it's helping him kind of grow his channel of what's God's view on this or what's God's view on that. Or maybe taking it back even apologetically. I mean, definitely opportunity for conversations and debate around faith and theology and all kinds of different things. So I think that um, positioning content to be answering the questions people are actually asking, the felt needs of people, the search terms, if you will, that they are typing in and looking for answers for, you want your pastor or your leadership team or your church to be showing up on the other side of those questions. And I would even go a step further. One of the things that really pulled on my heart was I started to see who was showing up on the other side of those questions. Mm. And that as that churches, they were largely vacant or believers in general, and maybe not just churches, um, that, that they weren't showing up there. And so people are sharing their worldview. They're educating the next generation about sex, relationships, about all these different things. And I'm 
deeply passionate about Christians really stepping up and having a presence on these platforms. Hmm. So I'll, I'll ask some of the questions that I think address the fears, because those are the things that always come to mind for folks first. So those, those leaders here are going, we tried channels, what channel, we tried content, and we couldn't, we couldn't deal with the commenters. People trolling accounts, you know, saying things on comments. How do you handle that in that world? Or what are just some some ideas for people who are dipping toes in that to just be you thinking turn about? Turn the comments off, right? <laughs> you can, but I mean, if you're building, I mean, yeah, you can, right? But if you're looking to build community, if that's part of the the lure allure of this, mm -hmm. I mean, how you've obviously had to run into, you know, folks, trolls or what have you. How do you handle that? Absolutely. You know, I think number one, you could just turn the comments off. Yeah. And that might not be a bad idea for some churches. I think number two, the other thing uh, along with that is when you put your content on YouTube and you send your church to YouTube, what they might see on the other side of recommended videos, that can you know cause some concern to some leaders. But you also have this opportunity. You can embed that video on your website. You could have a blog or where you host your sermons on your website and you send out an email to your list, uh, your congregation, and then just send them to that page with that embedded video. Meanwhile, your presence on YouTube is actually gonna probably not be discovered by most of your church, maybe the older generation, but then people who are uh, kind of digital natives, they'll be on their phone opening up the app and then when it, so potentially when it comes to those comments, I think you can delete them. You can have standards for, if, if it's trolling, you should delete trolls. You don't want to feed trolls. Right. Trolls are kind of on a hostile place, but um, I think that sometimes we need to be open for real conversations mm -hmm. and real debates and real things and not everyone's going to agree with us and that's okay. And I actually think that if you're getting a lot of comments on YouTube videos, especially if a church is just starting on YouTube, that's a great problem to have because mm -hmm. that means people are paying attention and probably uh, Probably one of the things that a lot of churches would have happening is just almost no interaction. So I think if you have some interaction, at least there's something there, then you have to steer and navigate that. And that's going to be up to the leader and kind of the DNA of the church. So where does a average leader listen to this pastor? Maybe they don't have a, a real strong presence. Maybe on social media, they have a presence, but they haven't really dipped their toe in the water of YouTube. Where, where should they start? Well, I think um, uh, one place I would recommend if leaders are listening, they could look at a, uh, a church plant called City Light Church in Las Vegas, uh, Pastor Javen Chavez. And uh, uh, Omar is um, helping on Think Media team as well. And he's uh, helping with that church. And they're 12 weeks in at the time of this recording. And they're just starting with real basics. It's putting the Sunday sermon up. It's just doing it with good audio, some good video so you can see it, so you can hear it. You know, making sure the channel's got that branding, the cover image and whatnot. And then just sticking with the basics. I mean, if churches are wondering where should we be hosting our messages, like that's end of the debate, put them on YouTube, build right. that up on YouTube and then build that up over years. Cause you also want to help your congregation know that, Hey, this is, um, it's on your phone. It'll be, you know, you could be subscribed here. You can comment here. You can share this with your friends easily, but that's going to take time. So I would say the sermon, you know, 101, you also have the opportunity to potentially put church news up there, maybe anything else. Would you you're put doing. all the sermon or clips or I think that YouTube is uh, ideal for longer form content. The full sermon should go on YouTube. You can look at a couple other churches that are doing it well. Um, there's tons, but I think, you know, Church Home with Judah Smith and um, Elevation Church, or um, they've got a good YouTube presence. And again, it's the full message. 
because other platforms, Instagram, Instagram stories, Facebook, those are more conducive for the clips, three minutes, five minutes of the sermon. And again, when you educate your community and even maybe people who are paying attention to your messages that are not part of your local church, YouTube's just the place to be. And if I was to take it even to another place in my family, um, I've been married for 12 years now to my uh, beautiful wife, Sonia. But um, years ago, uh, we encountered some chronic health challenges with her. So at times we um, won't go to church on Sunday. We'll watch church online. And actually our home church uh, doesn't use YouTube. And that uh, here's why it bothers me. Um, and uh, at some point I hope they do because we will gather on the couch and we got our dogs with us and we're mm-hmm. going to watch church together and we're going to turn on our smart TV and just where well, there's a Netflix app, there's a Hulu app, there's a YouTube app and I can open that up. And when I open it up on a Sunday morning, I've got elevation streaming live mosaic mm-hmm. streaming live our church. They're not there. They actually are streaming live. They're just not using just not that platform. YouTube. They're not using YouTube. And so what am I going to do? Grab an HDMI cable, plug in my laptop. Right. And, and I, I do sometimes, but you're not going to reach people. And most people are not going to do mm-hmm. that. It's just where people are. It's kind of just basic that you want to, you know, do the basics well there. And then over time, educate your community, other people, let people know online that that's happening. It's also the best UI UX, the best user interface and user experience is on YouTube. The app loads fast, videos load fast, it scales the resolution fast so people could be driving down the freeway and it'll give you just the audio or lower quality video. It's just such a powerful platform. Again, it's a medium between the end user you wanna impact and the message that you are sharing and communicating. And everybody would say, if you ask them, do you wanna come up when you search Google? The answer would <laughs> yeah. be absolutely. 100%. So why aren't you being, so. <laughs> why aren't you coming up when you search YouTube? Yeah, absolutely. And we had a little round table earlier, a little uh, yeah. informal survey of all the young kids at the table, <laughs> meaning those in their 20s and 30s. Everybody who are younger, I would argue, and you guys can confirm or deny this, they're now going to YouTube just like they would Google. Many of us who are older will, will open up Google, but younger in general, they're going to YouTube to search as much. You said it, that YouTube is the second most searched site. Is that, is that absolutely correct? And um, yeah, uh, 95% of Gen Z is uh, active on YouTube and 50% of them say they can't live without it. Hello. Mm-hmm. So definitely this next generation, but millennials and really all generations. I mean, I'm able to see my own analytics and it's not a huge number, but people 65 plus watch my content on YouTube. Mm. It's something like 5% of about 2 million views a month right now. So that's still a lot of humans that are consuming mm. content and using this uh, as a platform. So absolutely, there is a ton of attention there. And this is kind of an interesting tactic or just, and not even a tactic, this is an interesting thing that leaders could do to get some insight into what people are searching for. If you go to the YouTube search tab, the same as Google, and you start typing, you've both done this, mm-hmm. what happens? It, it automatically suggests form it's, fills. It's, yeah. It form fills. It suggests what, and, and those suggestions, if you type in like how to lose, it would it'd say wait, and then it would give you more detail about it. What's interesting, if you type in like, um, how to pray and you put another space, you'll see a lot of different other search terms. If you say, uh, you start typing search terms around God, or you start typing, you know, uh, how do I grow my faith? Those predictions that come up are in order of how much search volume there is. Like the top one will be the most searched and then down the list, but it's also a signal to you of what 
people are actually concerned with and looking for. So even mm. if you were just thinking about coming up with sermon ideas or you were thinking about content that would mm. make the most sense that, that could connect, a lot of times we're creating content kind of like under a rock. Yeah. Like we're just like, hey, what what would be good? We're titling it also like, how should we title it? How we, should, we, should we position it? That answer is right there. Mm. Wow. You can actually kind of go do the research first and say, wow, this is where the pulse is, even potentially internally, if you want to reach, what, what are people asking about prayer, faith, um, even theology, whether, you know, the spiritual gifts or different things. You start typing those in. People are searching for that kind of content, but you can get very specific. And the longer you go down, we call them long tail keywords, right? Mm-hmm. The longer you go down, it can be very specific, like maybe a specific spiritual gift. And then now, if you were also thinking about creating a, a weekly show, and I would actually recommend leaders potentially do that, maybe like a five minute every Tuesday, maybe do Wednesday and, and think about it. The other 167 hours, right? You've impacted your church on the weekend, but maybe midweek, there's just something that's a reminder. That weekly show, quote unquote, um, could be around those topics. And not only could you be serving your church, letting people on social media, emailing your list, letting them know that content is there, but you also could be reaching around the world because those search terms are global um, and even sometimes localized as well. You said long tail. And and I think there's a really powerful and strategic idea for pastors and leaders who are preparing content already. So there's a lot of guys, pastors, I've I've read stats six to 20 hours a week in sermon prep, they delivered on a Sunday and that's it. They're working on the next thing all over again. There are some advantages to using the long tail online. First, just break down long tail and then why that's strategic for leaders. That's really great. So I think that uh, long tail would be something like, if you were to say, if you made a video, how to grow in your faith, that's good, but it's still pretty general. That also could be, you know, different faiths, a lot of things, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out the intent. But if you started to say like, how to grow in your faith as a woman, now you've just cut the population in half. We're getting longer tail. And then maybe you also could attach to uh, age demographic of that. So it could be like how to grow in your faith uh, for teenagers or teenage women. And you'll see those different questions. Uh, those are, I'm probably not saying it the best, but as you start going to that search bar, you begin to find those terms. That's what it would be. It'd be those multiple layers of distinctions, not just general spiritual gifts. Maybe someone's trying to learn how to grow in the gift of wisdom or something. And so now you're becoming very specific. I think it was Seth Godin who actually said small is the new big. Um, Don't try to be a wandering generality, but a meaningful specific. Mm -hmm. And so with those, we would be like more niched down concepts, more longer tail concepts. And again, even the way we title our sermons are sometimes very creative and clever, but I've learned that online clarity trumps being clever. That's good. And so it can be a mix of both. But for, like you said, you put 20, 30, 40 hours of sermon prep in, and then that sermon just goes in the archives, a few people listen to, and it's gone forever. You actually can give it a a lot of chance of a longer lifespan by positioning it to be found for weeks, months, and even years to come online if you uh, optimize it right and if the content's good. So what what are the things that you're doing that are pretty far out there that maybe you could share a, a couple of secrets Uh, A couple of YouTube secrets. There you go. Yes. Um, uh, Well, I think that one of the things that um, I'm really seeing work for our content has kind of been popularized by what a lot of us do on Netflix. Now, do you guys have a favorite show that you guys watch on Netflix? I just started The Travelers. Travelers? I just started The Travelers. Oh, okay. And CJ, be honest, like, what's what's the most you've watched in a row? Oh, no, I've binged, man. You've binged? I've binged. I'm a coffee in 
cars with comedians. Oh, it's a great show. Say it. I yeah. mean, I'm like, I, I've probably done, I mean, I've sat down and watched four shows. Narcos? Or so. <laughs> Can we talk about that one well, on this show? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I've watched at least four episodes of Narcos. So I love it. So you said it. You said the word, uh, you binge content. And everybody yes. listening might be thinking about, hey, what show did you have you binged, right? You want to be thinking about that same thinking on YouTube. Hmm. When someone is looking for answers, like if they literally are in a moment where like they're really trying to find God's will for maybe marriage and looking for a spouse and looking for encouragement, and you put out a five minute video about that, they might be ready to watch 20 videos on that. So what we're calling this, I say it this way, we're not thinking about the next video we want to create. We're thinking about the next series That's we good. want to create, yeah. but breaking them down into kind of smaller, bite-sized, digestible. So if a pastor or a leader wanted to create a show, they might think, just like they think of a sermon series, they might think of, you know, for eight weeks, I want to do, you know, five to 10 minute episodes that all are part of a series. And then people could kind of fall into that binge session to be like, man, this is good. And like principle after principle that creates more watch time on YouTube, which is what YouTube rewards. It, um, it's, it keeps people on platform longer so you can reach more people. So really thinking in clusters of videos and realizing that the biggest source of traffic on YouTube is the suggested videos. So when people go on platform or on mobile, you watch the video and below it are a few other suggestions. At the end, a bunch of videos pop up and are suggestions. That is the biggest generator of traffic by far. And so what will again happen is when someone's on one topic or one concept, they actually will probably watch three, four, five, six, seven other episodes about that. Now you're probably not gonna be able to create those all at once. But when you have a long-term vision and a long-term strategy, you're building out, I think this is a very important term to say, evergreen content. Yeah. Mm. YouTube's a place for evergreen. What's evergreen? Like evergreen trees. Some trees are seasonal, you know, they are in bloom and sometimes, sometimes they're not evergreen. They're just green year round content like that, that people is, is, is timely, but also timeless. And then people can fall, go into that bingeable cycle to where they really want to go deep on leadership or church leadership. And they're just like, boom. I know as a young leader, I would do those kinds of things. And there are some great YouTube channels that are putting out leadership content. I might not just listen to one 20 minute thing. I'm about to listen to like 10 yeah. and, and suggested videos and YouTube's analyzing that data and which ones are getting likes and comments. And you can get those long um, view sessions and that's deep impact. Yeah. That's good. It's, it's interesting because it seems like churches are so geared for this anyway. I mean, their content is built around a series, three weeks, five weeks, six weeks, whatever it may be. That seems like perfect for a playlist or whatever it is, you, you know, what, what you're referring to. It's like, if your series is on hope, you've got the next three weeks, that could be three different videos, four videos, whatever And it you've may got be. more content that yeah. you know what to do with. Exactly. A lot of people is, are trying it, to figure out what content to create. You've already got yeah. all the content setting somewhere. That's what's fascinating to me. I think there's a lot of, of smaller organizations or even churches that go, we just don't have content. And they may have more content than they actually realize because they're producing it every, every single week. And Sean, I want you to comment on this. The fact that somebody might say, well, I don't have anybody who can work on that for me. Hello, just go to the youth group <laughs> or go to the young adult gathering and every 17 year old in there can do it lickety split. Absolutely right. The fact and that I said lickety split makes me <laughs> so old. That's money, dude. Yeah. That's money. That's, that's powerful though. Yeah, it really is, split. It? Yeah. 
Um, but one other huge thing, and especially in answer to even that, that I think every church leader should be um, paying attention to right now is live streaming, Facebook Live, but also YouTube Live. And so you can set up, it could be a webcam, it could be a little fancier setup. And let's talk about it. They do a sermon series on hope. Um, there's five points, maybe just three points. And the, all that prep, all that content, quotes, you know, biblical references, cultural connections, the illustration that's funny, the story, whatever it is, that could probably turn into three to five videos. If you had three points, each point could be a video and you could go live, hop on YouTube, five, 10 minutes, create that content in real time. Hey, Pastor Sean here. And today I just want to share a quick encouraging message about hope, you know, and you, you share scripture, share the story, repurpose the sermon, but share it just that one point, mm. land the plane, give a call to comment, question of the day. You know, can you relate to this? Tell me in the comments below, give a call to the series. Hey, if you're enjoying this hope series, there's other videos in the playlist, click or tap the screen right here. And obviously I'm speaking some YouTube language there, but yeah. Again, sit down in front of your webcam or whatever camera, hit go live, turn it off, you're done. And that's the same thing with Facebook. Grab your mobile phone, set it up, put it on a tripod, sit in a well-lit room that's not too echoey, boom, share that content, go live, turn it off, you're done. There's a lot of, I think at the end of the day, maybe it's it's intimidation with technology or sometimes we just haven't really dove into that yet. But I would say that's extremely low-hanging fruit that ultimately you just got to grab your phone and do it. And every church leader listening could get started with that immediately. Really good, man. This is practical stuff. For everybody listening, understanding you're an expert, uh, you do a bunch of coaching, training, consulting. I mean, that's that's really what you do these days. Uh, how can they stay in touch with you or get connected to what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, number one, I would encourage everybody listening to go to youtubeforchurches.com because I do have a, four, a free four video series up and that's all it is. You enter your email and just four videos come to you and it really doesn't lead anywhere else besides the book. It's an ebook called YouTube for Churches. And so that content right there is, is really helpful. I mean, that's probably, you know, almost nearly everything you need and then just get started and go for it. If you did want, we talked a little bit about being a little more creative. If you wanted to take this to an advanced level, you really were like, this is resonating with me then you could go to um, seancannell.com and all of our courses and training is there. And then we've got Think Media and another channel called Video Influencers where we interview people that are using video to impact people. Dive into Think Media, dive into Video Influencers if you're passionate about this space. And we cover those best practices and those nuances for anybody that would really want to master YouTube. And that's Sean, S-E-A-N. Channel, C-A-N-N-E-L-L. -L. That's two right. Two N's, two L's. Two N's, two L's. For all of you hooked on phonics, two N's, two L's. <laughs> yep. Sean, the traditional way. And if you hadn't have uh, spelled that out, there would have been no hope for anybody figuring that out. So <laughs> well, really you're, just, you you're, you're sort of like Seth Godin when I just type Sean in. Right. It's By the way, I wanted to ask you, when I go on YouTube and I type in Sean, how quickly does it populate your full name? Ooh, that's a good question. I haven't checked. On the I'm S or the E? Right now. Or the A? Uh, is there Sean? If you go Sean space, yeah, it might. But if you go Sean space, C, Sean, who else is a famous Sean? Hey, yeah, no, Sean Combs. It's, it's right there. Huh? It's, I mean, what, on the well, or see, because see, I've I've searched him before, so he's right up top. But I'd go like he's. You got Sean Kingston and then Sean Kennel. Sean Kingston, you know Sean. You you have his album. Now, you love that guy. I'm gonna say you're you're getting you're getting up on the E. As soon as I put in the S and the E, it's pulling you up. Mm -hmm. That's my prediction. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Because you're that big of a well, deal. Well, I mean, he, he probably wouldn't brag about this because he's, you know, he's such a humble guy. Yeah. But we just celebrate. I celebrated as a fan, one of Sean's fans, like over half a million subscribers on YouTube. That's a big this deal. This is no small feat, people. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Oh, and you're you helping. So you're, you're not just doing stuff in churches. You're you're helping lots of people from all walks of life, but you still have a passion for the church and you're, 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 uh, you're one of us, but you're out there doing all kinds of stuff in different circles Absolutely. And, and having some impact on people that we won't talk about here, but just behind the scenes under the radar, uh, you are uh, bringing hope to a lot of people that need it. So thanks for being here and thanks for being part of this podcast and a new friend. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so thrilled to have the opportunity to hang out with you guys and what you're doing to build leaders. It's super inspiring and uh, leaders are needed more than ever in this current generation. And um, thank you for everything that you're doing. Well, CJ, one of the things that so many people who listen to podcasts mm. today are asking, besides how much does it cost, which is free, it is, is free. what's in this for me? Yeah. And, and what am I going to get out of this? And, and we want to tackle that just a little bit in terms of the value that we hope to bring, as well as the value that we're hoping that you're going to be able to take away on a consistent basis yeah. from listening to this podcast. Yeah, our passion is to make sure we're bringing the kind of content to leaders that's going to help them like in the front lines. You know, there's a lot of leaders out there, maybe on the other end of this, who are going, I don't know if we have the resources to pull it off or to move ahead. And so that can be a really tough place. So I think for us, it's all about trying to bring content to them that's just gonna refresh them, rejuvenate them, and just keep them in the game. Yeah. Well, and, and reality is we've got people who are not just out there doing it, but um, are the sages, the wise mentors. And right. I know for me, you know, when I think about the people I wanna listen to and learn from, I do want to be part of a community mm -hmm. and hopefully all of you who are part of this with us feel like you're part of the community, right. but we, we want to bring you the best of the best. Yeah. And that's going to be some people that you recognize their name and you go, man, I've heard them many times. Wow. I can't wait to hear something new from them. Yeah. We're also going to bring you people who you've never heard of. Right but that we feel like we can be a filter for you in terms of the best of the best. And that, that really is the goal is to is yep. not waste your time. Yep. The other thing is, I, you know, I'm a podcast junkie. I know you are too. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. And the beauty of being able to listen to lots of podcasts, including this one, is that you can pull something. Like if I was going to give you one rule of how you can see a podcast in its effectiveness mm -hmm. is – as you run on the treadmill, yeah. as you drive, as you're doing the dishes, whatever you're doing, right. is there one thing you can write down in your notes? Yeah. Is there one thing? Right. And you may not always have one thing. You may have 10 things, but is there one thing that you can write down and actually take one practical piece away from a conversation? Yeah, and start putting it in action. One of the things, too, I think it's going to be good about this is like, Brad, I don't think we're bringing just the kind of ideas that everybody's going to agree on. I think we need new, fresh ideas that at least we start conversations about that maybe um, are working in ministry contexts or that are worth exploring. So we're going to try to bring some diverse voices to this too. So you said people we don't know, but maybe even just some ideas that rattle some cages a little bit. It'll stir it up some? Stir it up. You I like rustled. that chili that's a little hot. I wrestled that my whole life, man. Yeah, you're but a rebel yeah. is what you are. <laughs> it's been a great uh, episode. It has been. Thank you for listening. It's great to be on the journey. We will talk to you next time on the Thrive Leadership Podcast.
The Thrive Leadership Podcast is hosted by CJ Alvarado and Brad Lominick and is produced by Kip Johns. To download and share this and other Thrive podcasts, go to thriveconference.org.